0: Okay, I am looking forward to wrapping this series up. I think this morning's is going to be a special morning. I think this series has been a special series. I heard a lot of really neat stories from a number of you and what God has been doing, especially come out of last week. I wasn't here last week. I was at home sick, of all things. Uh, the week before, we had three kids get sick all within, like, one night. It was crazy. And then I was like, God, please, no, I don't get it. Well, I got it. So uh, we'll tell you who's living right in our household. My wife did not get it at all. So clearly... Um, there 's one of us living right, and it 's not me. With that said with that said, um, she 's over here. <laughs> with that said, look forward to starting us up. Chris did a great job last week. Um, we 're on page uh, 76 of the known journal. If you have one, uh, grab that, turn there, place to take some notes, and then place to follow along and do some readings this week in the scriptures. If you don 't have one, they 're free for the taking out there, just uh, feel free to grab one. Now, what we've been talking about over the last um, couple of weeks is this reality that every single one of us in this room has a story to tell. God has uniquely called you. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says specifically talking to Christians. Those of you who are Christ followers, it says he has formed you and he has created you. Your are a workmanship. He, he has a plan for you. He's called you. So the way we've said it, it's, it's important not just to live saved, but to live called. And, and so what is it God's called you to do? What is the story uh, that, he, that he is writing and wants to write in your life? So kind of the principle we've been kicking around week in and week out is the decisions you make today determine the story that you're going to tell tomorrow. Now, the way I'd say it this way is imagine a funeral. Uh, we had a funeral here uh, last week, a powerful funeral. Now, imagine in that funeral, um, you know, and it was a, it was a moving funeral. Imagine if, if, if it were your funeral. What are the stories that you'd want to hear told at your funeral? I mean, think about this. this is, Chris has used this illustration. I'll use the illustration. You know, a lot of times we have an open mic or we have stuff that happens uh, during that funeral. And, and people come up here on a stage like this. And there's usually a casket sitting right here in about this place. And people come up and talk about the person that's laying there. And they'll tell you stories about, man, this was such a phenomenal dad, or this was such a great mom, or you know, I worked with them and they made such a difference in my life, or and they go on and you hear these stories. I ask it this way, what are the stories that you'd want to be told, have told at your funeral? Now I've talked to a lot of people, and you know the one story that I've never heard people say, I want to be here told? You know, I want to hear that I was a real jerk. I want to hear that I was tough to live with. I want to hear that I had no relational skill whatsoever. I want to hear that I was the worst father ever. I want to hear someone stand up here on the stage and say, you know what, yeah, they cheated me out of everything. they've ever We don't want to hear those stories, right? So imagine if you could write the stories that are told at your funeral. Well, to do that well, the decisions, we make a lot of them day in and day out, and we've said this throughout the series, very few of us make big, earth-shattering decisions but what happens is we make little decisions day in and day out, and those little decisions add up to hundreds and thousands of decisions, and those decisions determine what stories are going to get told at your funeral. Ultimately, they're going to determine whether you stand before God one day and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So we've kicked around as we've said it this way, well, we've got, it's a four decisions. We've got to make the decisions to start. So I'd ask it this way, we, we, this was four weeks ago, how are you doing what habit did you kick into gear? What, what is it that you started? This might be a good time to kind of sit back and review that. Maybe some of you, man, you kicked it in, and it started great that first week and the second week, but by now you're, you know, you're not, so maybe kick it back into gear, or maybe you need to start something else. Then we talked about not only do we need to start stuff, we need to stop stuff. Pastor Chris talked about this. And I love it. I was sitting right back over there when he talked about it, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, because this is the area that I struggle with. I'll start things. I'm a starter. Man, I get out of the gates in a hurry. I've always been good at starting. But what ends up happening is when I'll start something. A few years ago, I started coaching football, for example, and I was sitting with someone and they looked at me in the eyes and said, well, what are you stopping? Stopping? Why can't I just keep adding stuff? So he said, you know, it's not just the bad stuff we need to stop. It's not just the sin, but the good stuff that needs to come to an end. Then last week, Pastor Chris had a very powerful message. I caught it online this week where it's staying. We need to make a decision to Stay especially when it would be easier to leave. You know, as I was thinking about this, as I was listening to it online this week, I said, so often our decisions to leave when we think it would be easier instead of staying put in that tough marriage and that tough job in that tough home, a lot of times it comes because we're dissatisfied. We have this sense of dissatisfaction, and what ends up happening, we begin to make permanent decisions in temporary circumstances. It's hard. Yes, we get it. It's really tough, and it would be a lot easier to walk away. But we make a permanent decision to divorce. We make a permanent decision to commit suicide. We make a permanent decision to quit a job. And oftentimes it's made in the difficulty of a temporary circumstance. And Pastor Chris said, hey, you know what? Some of us need to make a decision to stay. Now, this morning we're going to kick around then. It's going to almost be in contrast of last week. You're going to, wait a minute. Stay and now go? <laughs> what is it? What is it, guys? I mean, you, 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 there's some tension here. And we're going to talk about this and engage it. But sometimes we need to make a decision when things are tough, when things are to tell that story well, we've got to make a decision to go. We've got to make a decision to step out and go to where God's calling us to go. Now, to do this this morning, we're going to turn with me to go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is an easy one to find if you're not familiar with the Bible. I mean, it's just a few pages in, and the Bible's there in the seats in front of you. You're only going 11 pages in, and you hit Genesis chapter 12. We're going to tell a story of a guy by the name of Abram, who I'm going to refer to as Abraham because God changes his name. So I, my mind goes back and forth, so if you're going to hear both names, know I'm referring to the same guy. And sometimes I'll try and keep it consistent, but I just want to warn you up front. What I want us to do is I want you to see here's a guy named Abraham. This is the story of the Bible. I think this is where you really start to see what is God all about in his scriptures, in his Bible. Why do we have this? And it's going to tell Abraham's story, which ultimately, here's the beauty why we're going to look at this particular story. Because ultimately, Abraham's decision to go ultimately impacts yours and my story. This is a, we're going to come full circles and see that his decision to step out and to go somewhere, to leave something and go, impacts you and I. Now here's what I want to set the stage where we're at in the scriptures so you can kind of see the whole arc of this story. It starts with a, a two people by the name of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are created in perfect Adam and Eve are created in perfect union with one another. They have this beautiful relationship. They're, they're naked and unashamed, it says, and, and there's nothing between them, and they have this perfect relationship with their creator. They're created in God's image. They're fully equal. There's no dominance and power and struggle. It's just this beautiful, magnificent relationship. But God says to them, do not step out of bounds. There's one tree I don't want you to eat. Well, they step out and they eat the tree, and as soon as it happens, God promised them death is going to enter the scene. Well, death entered the scene. You flip the page, it's two Pages in Genesis chapter 4, you see their sons, Cain and Abel. I mean, we read this story at times, and here's what happens Cain murders Abel because he doesn't like the way what Abel did before God, and, and he thinks that God's choosing Abel. So instead of Cain stepping in and dealing with his own mess, he steps in and murders his brother. Now, picture Adam and Eve at the, at the foot of, of this broken, dead body, thinking backwards now, of going, My goodness, because I ate the fruit. There is death and destruction and brokenness. So the cool thing is, you back up a chapter. Genesis chapter 3 says it this way. God says, I'm going to give you a promise. There's going to be salvation to come. I'm going to free you from this death. I'm going to make things new again. So I believe Adam and Eve hold on to this promise. And and God's working through this context of family. This is very important. So God starts out with family. A man and a woman creating His image to ultimately come together to reveal the image of God to the world. So we have a family, but brokenness has stepped in. So it gets so bad, you fast forward a little bit. Genesis chapter 6, God says, I grieve that I ever made man. It is so broken. It is so messed up. It is so disjointed that God says, I'm going to pause. I'm going to wipe this whole thing clean, but I've promised not to destroy. So I'm going to start with a new family. So instead of now Adam and Eve, now we've got Noah. Noah and his family. So they enter the boat. They come out of the boat, and a new family starts. Well, you just go a little bit longer, and you start to see the mess again. And soon we have the Tower of Babel, which you're going to see. And they just, if the, we're in Genesis chapter 12, you back up just a little bit, you're going to see this thing called the Tower of Babel, which is now mankind consistently consumed with conquering and devouring, and and trying to with engineered feats to just take on life to the point where they're almost like gods themselves. And God steps in again and says, "What a mess." What a mess. So he, he confuses the languages, and now we move from family to nations. A very important jump. So now, now God was working through a family, Adam and Eve, a family, Noah. And now, we've got to, now he's going to step in and say, I'm done trying to bring salvation through a family. I'm going to bring salvation through a nation. So that's where we are, Genesis chapter 12. With that background, I want to jump in there. Genesis chapter 12, look at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, likely you've read this, you've seen it, um, you understand it. But I want you to understand something. When we read this, sometimes we read it and think, man, look at, look at what Abraham does here. Remember, let me say it this way. Put this quote up first. This quote is from Craig Rochelle, who this series originated with, and we borrowed it with permission from him. Uh, he says it this way. To step toward your destiny, you might need to step away from your security. This is powerful. See, we read this verse, and we miss some very key phrases. Look what it says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your what country? A place where a native country, a place where you're at home, a culture that you understand, a people group that is you, and, and, it's, and it's natural, and it's normal, and, and a place where you kind of come home and say, ah, I'm home. And then it goes on, and you're not only leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your family. Now, some of you go, yeah, man, I'd love to do that. Get out of this thing. But, but the reality is, man, it is a, it is a close-knit, it is, a, it is this, this place of familial belonging and he said, I want you to go do something, but to go to your destiny, sometimes we got to leave the place of our security. And I want you to go to the land that I will show you. This is what he ultimately says. Now look at verse 2 and 3. It says, I will make you. And here's the promise. God's going to give him a very powerful promise. So I will make you. Here's why I want you to do this, Abraham. I want you to do this. I, want, I will make you into a great nation. Here's the key. This is where shift is shifting from family to nation. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous or make you great. And you will be a blessing to others. So this isn't about you. Yeah, you're going to be great. You're going to be well-known. You're going to be the you're going to kind of be the patriarch of this new nation, but it's ultimately to bless others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. So in other words, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to guide this nation. I'm going to build this nation, and those who walk with you will be blessed and those who oppose you I will oppose. All the families on earth, all the families. So here's this familial system. He started with Adam and Eve. He went to Noah. So he still contacts the family. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is a big promise. Abraham and Sarai is her name. She becomes Sarah. Both of them have a name change. Imagine a conversation with his wife. I was trying to picture this. this is, God is talking to Abraham. His wife isn't there, the best of we know. He comes home to tell his wife, hey, honey, honey, guess what? (laughs) God showed up and talked to me today. God God talked. God told us, God told me to pack up and let's go. And he's going to bless all nations through us, through our offspring. Now, we're going to read in this next verse, guess how old they are? 75 years old. Guess how many children the two of them have? Zero. Zero you imagine what she must be thinking? Honey, um, are you sure it was God talking? Or is it that funny weed you were chewing on? I mean, what, what is, what, are you really sure? Are you really sure you heard God? Honey, I know, and he made the promise, and we're going to cling to that promise. Here's one of the things I know, guys, I've, I've seen this over and over. We are not changed by making promises to God. You know, many of us have made them, right? God, if you get me out of this mess oh my goodness, I can't believe I did this. God, just get me out of this and I will not miss a Sunday for the next five years. How many of you have been there? God, you know what? Oh my goodness, this is a financial problem. I don't know what to do. I I know I blew it. I know this is, God, if you just get me out of this, I will give 10% of everything I make from here till I die. God, you know what? You know, God, man, God, if you you give me a child, I will. How many of us have been there and done that? They don't change us, right? How many of us have been there and done that and have honored that promise? But I'll tell you what does change us. We're changed by believing the promises God makes to us. Second Peter chapter 4, verse 2 would be a verse I'd encourage you to go look at that cements this hard in our minds. God's given us promises to change us, to make us like Him. And so Abraham is here at 75 years old and childless. And God's saying, I want you to go somewhere. I want you to go to a land that you know nothing about. I want you to act. I want you to step out and do this. Now, verse 4, look at what he does. So, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Verse 5, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household. So it's like he's kind of grown this family. He's caring for people. He has servants and people that, that, are, that are walking, employed by him. Or, and he headed for the land of Canaan. And then it goes on to talk about what happened when they got there. So he went. Here's one thing I want to say. I want to, I want to draw this um, very clearly he obeyed. Belief and obedience go together. They always have and they always will. As a pastor, I am passionate for God's unconditional acceptance of you, that God is for you, that God loves you, not because of what you do, but because of what he has done for you. God loves you and he's for you. And he's calling you to put your trust and, and to treasure him beyond. I'm passionate to be so centrally driven on that message. But that message, as it takes root in my life, is going to drive obedience. The two cannot be separated. They've always gone together. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 8. It kind of gives the backstory, a a little commentary on this. Um, This whole chapter is about people looking back at the scriptures and looking at people who've walked by faith. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave the home, his home. So why did he leave? It was by faith. Abraham heard the promise of God. He bought in. He said, "God, you are God. You've called me to do this." So he so he left home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And one of the things I've learned is you don't need faith to finish. You need the faith to start. One of the things I've I've seen, I've seen is I've as I've gotten around entrepreneurial minds and spirits, whether they're Christians or not, I see this principle at play. Here's how an entrepreneurial mind works: they hear something, and this, I'm gonna apply it to the scriptures. So let's just say they hear from God. After they hear, what do they do? They act. And as they act, they learn in the process. And as they learn in the process, they then repeat what they've learned. And it's this cycle that spins. Many of us get stuck because what we do is we flip these two words. We hear something. God says, I want you to go. Okay, okay. Well, let's sit down. And I call it paralysis by analysis. You've heard this before. Let's sit down. Okay, God, you've called me to go. Well, let's, let's. and I'm I'm guilty of this through and through. Let's plan and let's lay it all out. Let's make sure we've got all our ducks in a row. Let's make sure this, and let's study it. Let's put a, let's commission a whole study. Let's make, and we do all this study, and we try to do all the learning before the acting. And God is simply saying, I want you to step out. You've heard me call you. Go do something. And in doing something, you're going to learn. Our Super Sunday, I appreciate the permission to try, but this is where this came from. I thought, you know what? I'm tired of talking about reaching a community. I'm tired of always learning. What can we do? What can we do? God has told us to do, to get moving. So we're going to do this thing, and I promise in the process, we're going to learn some things that do not work. We're going to learn some things that just were not good. But, you know, we learn them because we're acting, because this is the cycle that works. And I think this is what Abraham got. And Abraham heard God, he acted, and in the process, he learned. So here's a question I ask. We've been asking this every week. So what does God want you to want? What's the story that God wants to hear at your funeral? What is it that he's calling you to? Not your neighbor, not me, not Chris, not, not the guy you work with, not your husband, not your wife. What is God uniquely calling you to do? What does he want you to want? What story does he want you to tell? Maybe it's a story of financial freedom. Maybe it's a story, maybe it's a story of, a, of, a, of a thriving marriage. Maybe it's a story of, of a home that is, that is centric and to, to adoption and, and care for the orphan. Maybe, maybe what is your story that he is calling you to? And so then we followed up with a second question each week that has to do with what we're talking about going. So, what steps of faith do you need to take to make sure that story is being written well? I'm going to tell briefly a little bit of my um, story, the step that I took. It happened in August of 1995. Now, here's the amazing thing I was not a Christ follower in August of 1995, but God was working. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian school. I'd I'd lived my life to play big-time college football. I had had an offer to go and play college football. It wasn't with the big-time school I dreamed of, but I still agreed to go. I still agreed to go play. In August, I was set to head off to camp. I make a phone call in August of 1995. I finished work. I'm working full-time at Cloister Springwater, which is now Crystal, for those of you from the area. Working at Cloister Springwater. I finish work. I pick the phone up. I just had this inner prompting. I, I knew I was hearing something. It's not right to go. Don't go. Pick the phone up, and I simply say, hey, I need to act on this. So I call the coach, and the coach says, oh, Adam, man, I can't wait to see you next week. Oh, I said, well, coach, coach, I'm actually not going to be coming. I'm, I'm not going to come. Now you fast forward and my life was a mess. I actually, it's in that next 12 months that I actually attempted suicide. It was such, my life was falling apart. This is what I love how God works. I come back around in December of 1996 and I have this prompting to go to a Bible school. Now, this was a big deal for me because, number one, I wasn't sure I was college material. I struggled. I got out of high school with a solid C average, and I was proud of that C average. I, I rebelled against God and pushed back against the Bible for much of my life, and I'm thinking, Bible school? But again, I have this sense and this prompting. Again, I'm so glad I never went to play football. As I look back now, I'm glad I took that step, and now I take a second step. No, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. So, this is the next. I take another step. And I I, I also knew I spent a lot of money. Every penny I earned, I spent on me. I'd saved nothing. Not a wise way to live. But I had like 1,500, 1,200 CDs for the kids in the room, the young people. A CD is this round disc with a hole in it you put in. (laughs) I just don't know what that is anymore. But I had like 1,200 of these. I had this huge rack. I had a saltwater aquarium. I had all kinds of stuff. And I just went on, man, it was full-blown liquidation. I had, all my friends were loving it. I mean, they're like, yes, they're coming in my room. And they're just, they're, it's like, I felt like goodwill in my, my own bedroom. You know, they're coming in and they're buying and they're exchanging. and I'm, I'm collecting. A, well, all, long story short, I'm also taking the steps. I went to school, required you to wear ties to class. So I went out and bought like 10 ties. So I'm taking the steps. I'm taking the steps to go do this. Now, it's coming, we're two weeks away, and I yet need about $1,200 to pay off that first semester. I don't have the money, but I know God's calling me to go. Well, here's the crazy thing. I had this really hot sports car. I was so proud of this car, and it was the last thing to go. I don't want to sell this. I don't want to sell this. Well, we were out with a bunch of friends, and it was broken into, the window was mashed, smashed out and they stole a bunch of stuff out. Of it did some damage. So the insurance company gets involved. The insurance company cuts me a check. I go get the thing fixed. The, the difference ends up being about $1,200. So I call the insurance company and I'm like, hey, listen, um, <laughs> what do I do with this $1,200? And they said, it's your money. Way to go. You found a deal on getting it fixed. It's your cash. It's my cash. There was my, there was my step into Bible school. Now, I could continue to tell the stories of the things that I heard God say. And I'm not perfect in this. I've heard God say things to me that I didn't follow. And I could tell you lots of those stories. But my question is, what is it that God is calling you to do? Some of you, it might be downsizing. It might be cutting things in to tighten the belt up so you can begin to use your money to, to, to do the thing that God has called you to do. Maybe some of you, it's moving to a new neighborhood. That tough neighborhood that you know, you know what, there needs to be light in that neighborhood and we're going to go there. I know our kids may not have the best schools, and, but we're going to step in and we're going to do that. Maybe for some of you it's a new job. Maybe for some of you it's to have child number two or three or four or six if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get in there, Chris. I just... <laughs> Maybe for some of you, it's to adopt. It's to step out and you hear God calling you to adopt. You've heard the voice. You've heard the voice. And for some reason, you've not taken a step. Maybe for some of you, it's to write that book that you've always, that you've had that sense that you're supposed to write. Maybe some of you, it's simply to start a small group or to, or to maybe go on a missions trip or to maybe start school, or maybe to chase after that big dream that's been birthed in your heart and the vision that's been laying there and it's been dormant for and you just keep pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. Maybe it's a, a call to minister in a hard place. Or maybe it's to leave a broken relationship. Now I'm going to be really careful here. Pastor Chris last week talked about staying in marriage. We have a series coming up after, after Easter. We're going to talk about Friendship. You know, the decisions that you make with your friends shape your destiny more than probably any other decision you're going to make. And some of you are hanging out with the wrong people. And God's call for your life, what is He's asking you to do? You need to walk away from some of those relationships. You need to leave. You need to just say, you know what? This is not good. You gossip far too much. You drink too much. You don't encourage me to do the right things. We're not, we're not this, I've got to walk away from this. Or maybe for some of you it's to go ask her out, right, or him. Now, there's tension around this. I want to speak to the tension between last week and this week. There's a lot of tension. I'll give you two verses to look up this week that will make the tension even greater. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, the apostle Paul flees persecution. Because he knows a king is going to take him out, he flees. He gets in a basket and he, and he escapes. I'm out of here. I'm not taking this on. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 33. You go to Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 23, and here he's not fleeing. Here he's saying, I am resolute. I'm going to Jerusalem. I know when I get there, death awaits me. Now, in one sense, he's fleeing. And in another sense, he's taking it on. Which is right. This is where I cannot stress enough, this is so important that you need to listen to God and discern his voice for you. What is he calling you? In some cases, it might be right to stay. In another case, it might be right to leave. I'd also say this, another warning, don't be foolish. You may be a 35-year-old, good-looking mom, decent marriage, helping the single dad next door with four kids may not be the best thing for you to do. That might not be what God is calling you to. So it takes some discernment. It takes some wisdom. Nor am I asking you to leave your marriage. I want to make it very, very, very clear. Now, you may need to step out for a while. You may need to walk out of the abuse, whether it be physical, emotional, verbal, go on down the list, sexual. But I'm not asking you to leave. I'm asking you maybe to seek godly counsel. Maybe your step in that case is to reach out for help nor am I asking you to walk out on your job tomorrow. Please hear this. Sometimes people get this is go do some foolish things, and you've got a wife and you've got kids or you've got a husband and they're depending upon you and you're just going to walk out without any plan and suddenly you can't pay the bills and you're homeless and you say, well, God called me to do it. Uh, be careful with that. This is so important for you to listen and step into the tension, walk with the tension. I love Christine Kane. <laughs> this little blonde-haired orphan girl. When you listen to her story, she was abandoned and kicked, for, kicked to the curb. And she is today leading one of the most powerful ministries, stepping in to free women and people from sex trafficking, this little fireball of a girl. And I love when you get around her, she has so much energy. If, you've ever, if you haven't engaged her, grab her online and listen to some of the stuff she says or read her books. She says it this way, Jesus' plan often comes with unconventional instructions and requires unconditional obedience. Hear him. What has he called you to do? Sometimes it's going to sound weird, but what has he called you to do And he wants you to step out and he wants you to obey? Now let me ask this. Here's what I sat with a team this week and we talked about this message. And I said, guys, where is this going to hit people? And, and they, as they're talking and we're interacting with it, one of the things I heard very clearly is what this is going to hit people is the objections. Where, where the sticking points going to be? will, will all the yeah buts. So what I'd like to do is I want to talk about them just for a minute, if you allow me. What holds you back? What holds you back? What I've heard over and over, the biggest one I probably hear more than anything else is failure. Failure. I'll put my hand up on this. This is what held me back over and over. Here's what I've learned. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Take a step. It doesn't need to be perfect. You know what else I'd say about failure Failure is a necessary consequence of doing something new. Some of you need to hear this. Failure is a necessary consequence of doing something new. Anything that you do that's new, I promise, will have failure involved. You're not going to step out and do it perfectly. Embrace it, grab hold of it. I'd also say this failure is an event, not a person. Some of us, I think, the real problem with failure is that we've tied it so much to our identity. If I fail, it means I am a failure. No, you're not. It's an event. It's something you've done. Step into it and embrace it. Other people say what holds me back is money. I need $2 million to do this. Well, that's a lot of money. I would agree. That may hold you back. But start with what you have today. If you believe God has called you to that $2 million dream, he will provide the $2 million. He's not asking you to wait until you have the $2 million. He's asking you today to take the step of faith today. And I promise in time, you'll have the $2 million that you need. Some of you don't step out because we feel inadequate. I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. You're right. Neither was Abraham. Abraham was full of... When you look at Abraham's story... When you read the pages, you read the rest of chapter 12, you read 13, 14, and 15, you're going to read a story who was tested, had incredible scenarios thrown at him. He was defeated consistently, yet with God, no test is impossible and no defeat is permanent. Some of you, what holds you back is the should, the shoulds, versus the true desire, Some of us, I find, chase after things that we think God is calling us to do, but really we're just chasing after mom and dad's dream for us. Or what our friends think we should be doing. Not the real true desire of our heart. We're held back by the opinions of others. Some of us, we just don't know the next step. All of this, I could boil down to one word. Fear, anxiety, stress. This is generally what holds us back. This is generally what gets us. I want to look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, we looked at verse 8. Here's verse 9, giving the rest of it. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. So you see, this never gets easier. It never gets, it never gets clearer to Abraham. Abraham. Abraham didn't leave. We have this picture like Abraham left and suddenly the heavens opened up and he knew everything that was going to happen. He knew all the, no, he's still, it's still a walk by faith. It's still a daily one foot in front of the next. God's not showing him out there. He's simply showing him today. He lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents. He never even had a permanent home. Matter of fact, when 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 he goes to the grave, do you know how much land he actually owns in Canaan? He owns a burial plot, a grave. That's it, death. He has nothing at his death. He has nothing of what God promised him other than one child at his death. So, the rest of this verse explains that, and so did Isaac. He's going to tag in so his children and then his children's children, and so did Isaac, who inherited the same promise. This promise was growing through this family to build this nation. Remember the bigger story. This is where we're going to bring the bigger story back to him. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham wasn't living for the here and the now, Abraham wasn't afraid of the wilderness. Let me say it that way. Luke chapter 4, Jesus, at the start of his ministry, God calls him out into the wilderness. It says he was called by God, full of the Holy Spirit. Go and read it this week. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. He's called out into the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit. Forty days and forty nights he lives in the wilderness without food. 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan approaches him and tries to catch him with that sense of dissatisfaction. He tries to hit him with every shot he has. 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit. And what I love, Jesus returns from the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, not full of the Holy Spirit, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Abraham wasn't afraid of the wilderness. Jesus wasn't afraid of the wilderness. They simply went where God called them to go, full of the Holy Spirit. And as they come out of it, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Have faith to live for something bigger than today. To live for something greater than yourself. To live for a vision and a mission that's that's not of this world. Understand that what you're doing is, is putting pieces into a puzzle that's far greater than your current here and now circumstances. Step out and and go somewhere. I want you to think about this. Imagine with me. Imagine if Abraham didn't go. Imagine if that voice shows up and and, and he hears them. He says, well, God, no, wait a minute. Who are you? He lived in a pagan land. Who is this God speaking about? Have you ever asked that question? Abraham's not a Jewish person. Abraham is not a direct descent of Who is this god? Who is? Is it just another god talking to him of all the gods in that foreign pagan land that was he could have all kinds of objections to this. Imagine if he doesn't go. Do you know what happens if he doesn't go? Galatians chapter 3, verse 14 and 16, if you look at it this week, Galatians chapter 3 says the blessing that was promised to Abraham, the seed, in other words, the the seed, the child that was going to come, it says in Galatians, was not Isaac, do you know who it says it was? Jesus Christ. Imagine if Abraham said, no, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. You want me to leave my family? You want me to leave my comfortable home? You want me to step out to a land I know nothing about? I'm 75 years old, God. I have no children. My wife's not really sure about the idea either, God. You really want me to step out and you want me to go? Imagine if he said no. You and I would be the losers. The seed that grew from that nation is Jesus Christ, this is where the story comes full circle. Adam and Eve in brokenness. Um, you have Cain and Abel brokenness. Noah, brokenness. Tower of Babel, brokenness, brokenness all over. And Jesus steps in to bring salvation, to conquer sin and death. Growing out of a nation started by Abraham. And you and I benefit from it by simply saying, Here I am, God, I am broken. I am a mess. There's something wrong with me. I am a sinner. And I can't fix this on my own. Thank you for initiating it towards me. And I'm going to put my faith, faith, and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And I benefit. And then it makes me new and whole again. You're made alive and you're made new. Imagine if Abraham did not obey. Now, I still believe God would have found a way to get it done. Abraham would have been the loser, I can tell you that. But imagine. It completes the story. Abraham's obedience brings the story full circle. That's why I'd say it this way. We've been saying this each week. Decide today the story you want to tell. So decide the story you want to tell by deciding to go, today's go, when it would be easier to stay. I want to end with this one simple story. Something that's happening currently at Bethany. Just so I share this so you can be excited for what's happening here at the church. But more than that, I'm sharing it to, to hopefully empower you to say, you know what, I can do this. I had a call seven years ago to come to this sweet little church in Eastern Lancaster County, Bethany Grace Fellowship. I was afraid. I was scared to death. I'd never been a senior pastor before. I look at this church, and I see a sweet church that is well-fed, an able body. Yet a call that was saying, we want to reach our community. And I'm saying, that's what I want. I believe God called me a long time ago. My personal call, I believe, was intersecting with the call of this church. My personal call was to reach people that are far from God. People that have never darkened the doors of a church. People that think, they don't even know who God is. I've always had this desire to step and to reach and, and to connect them with God's love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. So our calls intersect and here I am. Now, what I've learned... What I've learned is it's hard work. I rejoice at what God's doing at Bethany. I rejoice. I love the stories of life. I mean, I, Chris shared a story with me this week that I was just, yes. I mean, I love what God is doing. Yet my soul deep inside of me hungers for the day, and I believe it's coming, when this church doesn't have two baptism services a year but has at least one a month. With people walking up on this stage saying, I was far from God, and I have this friend that attends this church that invited me and and introduced me to Jesus. I have this mom, or I have this dad, or I have this husband, or I have this wife, or I have, I hunger for that day, and I believe it's coming. Now, one of the things I've learned is trying to step into trying to make these is hard because you have public opinion gets in the way. You have, you have mistakes. You get in the way. Have you ever experienced that? You step out to do something, you realize, man, I'm just I'm, every step I take is wrong. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sinful myself, and change is hard. And I was going to show you one encouraging story. Monday, I walk into a room over Petra Church, and we're sitting down because we're going to bring a ministry between the two churches, to a broken community that struggles with addiction, hurts habits and hangups, brokenness through and through. And here's how this story happened. I'm learning to just start to say, Adam, who are you? What has God called you to? Be comfortable with that. Be comfortable with how you're wired, and step out and take the steps He you know to take. Forget the opposition, forget the public opinion, forget your inadequacies, just step in. So Monday, I'm sitting in this in this meeting. To get this ministry started. And Pastor Irma, uh, who's Lester, some of you know uh, Petra, is Lester's wife. She tells the story of how this happened, and this is when it just stirred my spirit, and, it, and I had to share this today. She says to me, I knew my side of the story, I didn't know hers. She's walking into a community meeting that we had a few months earlier. And as she's walking into the meeting, it's a community meeting, community leaders. We have the principals of our school, the superintendents. We have the chief of police, the district magistrate, business owners, pastors, uh, nonprofit organizations. We're all sitting around a table trying to figure out how do we help this community. And as Irma's walking in, here's what Irma hears God say to her. Talk about Celebrate Recovery today. I walk into the room, and Irma shares it with me, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I walk into that room, this, in the way I walk in the room praying, God, where do you want me to sit today? That's all I prayed. And I walk in and I thought I saw the answer. It was all the way to the right. And I look to the left and I'm like, well, you know what? He goes to our church. What's he doing here? I didn't know he comes to this. Cool. Oh, shoot. I thought I was supposed to go sit there. I really should probably sit in there. So I went and I sat there. But by sitting next to that individual, guess where it put me? Right next to Irma. Here's the other back story. We, we have Carol Musser. Some of you know Carol Musser and, and Amber Pavalko. Some of you know Amber. And Amber's been a part of Celebrate Recovery. And these, these two ladies have been like, we need this so bad. And they've been, you know, and Carol finally, I think, of the way she admits it, finally thought, you know what, it has to be of God. I can't push this thing through. So here I'm sitting. Carol wants to start, wants to go, wants to take the step. I'm kind of the one holding it back, to be honest. And I'm like, I don't know if we're ready for this. So I walk in. I don't know if I'm ready, but yet it's what I'm called to. You know, what? what's that, right? So I, I walk in and I sit down and Irma in the midst of we're talking about heroin. Heroin's a big deal in our community right now, a really big deal. And Irma just pipes up and says, you know, there's this ministry called Celebrate Recovery that it's, that actually, and she goes on to talk about it and says, does anyone know of it happening here in our community? Well, if you would put a map of Lancaster County up, if you would draw this big circle around our area, there is no Celebrate Recoveries in our community at all. The closest is over to Church of the Nazarene in Ephrata. So I turn to Irma and I simply say, yeah, I know about it. My sister-in-law was trained in it, and I got this crazy lady at church. It's just like, man, we got to do this thing. I say that with all the love and affection. She's sitting right over here. She knows I love her. <laughs> so I say, can I put you in touch? That's the step. Yeah, great. I simply make a phone call. I leave. I don't even wait. Till I get out the door, and I'm calling. Okay, Carol, guess what? I'm going through this whole thing. I connect them, and there we are sitting on Monday morning with some capable leaders around the table. And the cool thing is, I'm learning to be comfortable with how I'm wired. I'm wired as a leader. And so I'm not going to get down and I'm I'm just sitting on there creating an executive board of this thing. So I'll probably be a part of that, maybe, if anything. Or maybe I was just the one that took the step to get it moving. But I share that to say, God is working. I look at Super Sunday. I look at the, that was scary for me. You know, we're going to do that on a Sunday? Man, I know our, our conservative culture is like, oh, no. But I'm like, you know what? Let's take a step. Let's take a step. Let's see what we learn in the process. Let's act. Let's reach people. It's what God's called us to do, right? God called Abraham to go. Why did He call Abraham to go? To be this great patriarch, to be this great nation. What does it say? Sure, it says that. You're going to be that, Abraham. But more than anything, you're going to go because you're going to bless people. You're going to right what's wrong with the world. Abraham, it's going to come through you. So my challenge to you today. Listen. What is God saying to you? You, we talked about this in week one. Don't compare. Get off social media if you have to. Don't look at others' lives. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your your friend's husband that you wish you had. Don't look at your, don't stop looking around and just say, what is it that God's calling you? Listen. And then go act. Simply go. I've decided to start. I've decided to stop. I've decided to stay and I've decided to go. All because the decisions that you make today determine the stories that you're going to tell tomorrow. And we want to tell good stories. God, thank you so much for Jesus. God, I think of Abraham and his decision to go ultimately benefits us. We can have life in the person of Jesus Christ because he listened to you. He followed, he obeyed. A big, scary promise without a child at 75, and he's, he's stepping out and he's going to go. God, I pray for every person in this room. God, I'm not sure where this message hits them. I'm not sure what you're stirring in their hearts. But I pray right now in this moment, they would quiet the noise around them. They would quiet their mom or their dad's voice in their mind. They would quiet their husband or their wife's voice. They would quiet their friend's voices. They would just zero in and listen to you. And I'm just going to give a moment for you to talk to them. It's a moment of quiet to, to listen. And God, I ask that you to speak to each and every one, each, each person in this room with the specific message you have for them. God, I pray that the things that they're hearing, they would have the courage to act, the faith to just take a step. A step, that's all they need to do this week, just take a step to go. God, I too right now, I just want to take a pause and, and um, talk about the most important decision for all of us that we can make and that's accept Jesus Christ. And Every person in this room, God, I, I just ask if they were to die today that they would know for certain where they're going to spend eternity. And God, if there's any question and confusion, would they hear clearly the simple call of acknowledging their sin, turning from that sin to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, period. God, if there's anyone in this room that has never done that, I ask that they would do that now and they would leave this room with with the confidence of being your child, of being embraced and held and knowing that you're never going to let them go. God, we love you very much. Thank you for this series. Thank you for... um, It's challenged me. I got to sit down for two of the weeks. Thank you for Chris and his heart and the things that I've been encouraged to stop. God, thank you for this church. Help us to continue to have the bold courage to listen and act and then learn and make the changes that we learn from. God, help us to do that well as we have a heart to take this grace and mercy and life-changing message of Jesus Christ to a world all around us that's in need of it. God, we love you very much. Thank you for Jesus. His name we pray, amen.